Wonderful. So, so good. Thank you, children. You're not here. It was so wonderful. They got us just in the right spirit to actually celebrate this second candle on the Advent wreath this morning. Because joy, which they have made us feel this morning, is definitely connected to prophecy, to the Word of God. And that's what the candle is that we lit this morning, the prophecy candle. And by prophecy, we mean divine thoughts that reveal divine purposes spoken by men who are under the inspiration of the divine Spirit of God. And so these prophecies of God, these thoughts of God, these plans of God ought to produce joy in your life and my life this morning. And if the prophetic word of God produces joy in our lives this morning, then you and I ought to be committed to it. Don't you agree? Committed to the truth of the word of the Lord. That's what I want us to talk about briefly. That's the good news, briefly. Really, I'm trying really hard this morning, all right? But we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you're using a pew Bible, feel free. If you didn't bring one, I didn't get the page number. But 2 Peter chapter 1, it's toward the very end of the New Testament. And when you found your place, 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to ask you to stand and together we're going to hear read the word of the living God. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, this is the word of the Lord. The Apostle Peter writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. The word that we have just read is inspired by you. The one and only true and living God, it's truth for our lives. So we thank you for it. We pray that you would through the power of your spirit, teach us through your word this morning. Lord, may we live by the truth of it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want us to talk about a couple of reasons that we can rejoice in this prophetic word of the Lord. And the first reason is this, that God's word is true. Would you look with me in verse 16 again? The Apostle Peter writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's very, very clear here. He wants to assure us that this powerful story he is telling about Jesus is not a myth. And I want us to think about why Peter 
is able to say that. And in order to do that, we have to answer a lot of questions. For instance, why would Peter so faithfully continue to preach a story that seems so unbelievable? It would have been easier for Peter's life not to tell any story at all, or if he can felt compelled to tell a story, at least one that was more believable. But no, instead, Peter keeps telling the story of the power of the coming of Jesus, the power that allowed God himself to be confined to the the womb of a virgin, the power that resurrected him again from the grave. This is the story that Peter tells over and over to people who found it just as difficult to believe then as people find it difficult to believe now. So why would Peter keep telling the same story? Why would Peter lead this band of apostles through the effort of starting another quote-unquote religion? Especially when it meant that you had to go up against the, the powerful Jews and the pantheon of Roman gods. Why subject yourself to Jewish anger, and Roman brutality. What hope did they have that they could ever succeed? What did they stand to gain by telling this story? Wealth? None of the apostles ever achieved that. Fame? Yeah, I guess they had fame, but it was the wrong kind of fame. It was the kind of fame that drew attention to them so that they were beaten and thrown in prison and eventually killed. According to church tradition, the apostle Peter was crucified upside down. Why keep telling a story that causes so much trouble in your life? Why not tell a story instead that would please people instead of offending them? Why not tell a story that would better fit people's expectations? People expected a kingly messiah. A regal Messiah. A commanding Messiah. But Peter kept telling the story of a humble, stable-born, foot-washing, cross-carrying Messiah. And look, the apostles were no dummies. They know as well as you and I know that people will follow you If you can effectively answer this question for them, what's in it for me? If you can tell people what's in it for them, they will follow you where you lead and they will buy whatever you are selling. What do the apostles have to offer? Those who follow Jesus. New life in Christ? Abundant life? Eternal life? Yes, absolutely. Are we thankful for those things? But what else? Do they have to offer persecution, suffering, estrangement from family, being fed to wild animals in the Colosseum, being used as human torches to light Nero's garden parties. These were the things that were happening to those who followed Christ while Peter was still preaching, while Peter was writing letters just like this one. But Peter didn't change his story. He kept telling his story. He kept calling people to become a follower of Christ along with him. Why? 
The only reasonable answer to any of these questions is this. Because the story is true. You believe the story is true? Do you? The point is that the disciples had nothing to gain. At least in the sense that this world defines gain. And they had everything to lose, including their lives. And yet they were compelled to tell the story anyway. They were compelled to tell the story because Jesus was like no other person they had ever met in their lives. And they wanted other people to know the joy that they knew from following Christ. They were compelled to tell the story because Jesus had transformed their lives. They were no longer the same. Not after meeting Jesus. And they wanted the lives of other people to be transformed as well. And that's why the Apostle Paul writes, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. The message is just that joyful and life transforming. This prophetic word is true. It is undeniably true. And if you have not yet believed, if you have never ever had reason to believe this story is true, believe it right now. This is not a myth. It is a true story. And guess what? Here's the good news. You can become a follower of Christ. And I promise you this. If you do, you will have joy in your life. Joy like Peter had. Joy like everyone who has ever followed Christ has known in their lives. If you're already here this morning and you're a believer, know this. You have not believed in vain. Do you believe that? Do you? Do you? You have not believed in vain. Do you believe that? It's a good news this morning. So, so do this. Keep clinging to the word of God. The story of Jesus, the gospel, it is true. And in it, guess what? You will keep finding joy over and over again. Joy from the story that points always to the person of Jesus Christ. So we rejoice this morning. Prophetic, the prophecy candle, second Sunday of Advent because the word of God is true. And secondly, and quickly, we rejoice for this reason. This prophetic word demonstrates that God planned for us long ago. We were not an afterthought. You know, in our Facebook world, you can wake up in the morning, look at your Facebook and see, oh, today is Craig's birthday. And then you can quickly post a birthday greeting on my wall saying, happy birthday. I was thinking of you. No, you were not. <laughs> Facebook was thinking of me. You were not thinking about me. And for those of you here who still hold out hope that Facebook reflects real life in any way, I'll pray for you. Actually, I'll take a selfie of myself praying for you, praying for you today. That's never going to happen because I've never done Facebook, nor will I ever do it. Here's the good news. God is not like us. He doesn't need a Facebook reminder to think about you and me. Look at verse 19. Peter writes there, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word of God. What does Peter mean here when he says more sure? He might mean that this prophetic word of God is more sure than his own personal experience. And listen, 
Peter had an incredible personal experience with Jesus that he writes about here on that mountain of transfiguration where he was with, with James and John and they saw Jesus transformed before their very eyes. His face shone like the sun. His clothes were dazzling white. The voice of God, the majestic glory as Peter describes him here, spoke from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And even though that experience was real for Peter, and even though it was true for Peter, Peter wants people to know that the foundation for belief, the assurance that you can believe, is much deeper than his own personal experience. Everything that they saw on the mountain of transfiguration that day simply confirms what God had already prophesied in the Old Testament. God had planned the glory of Jesus long ago. How long ago? All the way back to the beginning of human history in the Garden of Eden when God told the serpent who had just enticed Adam and Eve to sin, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The one who would crush the head of Satan, the one who would defeat the power of sin and death, was already planned. You could say that Jesus and Mary are in the prophetic word of God spoken all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Jesus is the one that God speaks of, and Mary is the woman who would give birth to him. God has been planning a way for us to be with him for a long, long time. We are not an afterthought. We don't have time this morning to go through all the Old Testament prophecies that find the fulfillment in Jesus. There are too many of them. Bible scholars tell us that nearly 300 references to 61 specific prophecies of the Messiah were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Prophecies made by different people over the course of hundreds and hundreds of years. Prophets like Moses, Isaiah, Micah, Hosea, Zechariah. They prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin. They prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. They prophesied that the Spirit of God would be upon him and that he would bring good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives, that he would open the prison to those who were bound. They prophesied that the Messiah would bear our griefs and carry our sorrows, that he would be crushed for our iniquities, that he would not be abandoned, though, to the grave, nor would he see corruption because he would be raised to life again. On and on we could go with the prophecies that God revealed and fulfilled in Jesus. A plan to take care of the biggest problem that you and I have. The biggest problem that all human beings have. And that problem is sin. And it's a problem because our sin separates us from the holy God. God doesn't want us to be separated from Him. God wants us in His presence. That's the kind of God He is. Because in His presence, there is fullness of joy. So God put a plan in place to take care of this great big problem that you and I and all human beings have without wavering, without changing his mind, 
consistently, over time, God fulfilled his prophetic word, his promises in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Peter's point is that the words of the prophets were sure because they were inspired by the living God and they all tell the same story. They all point to one person, Jesus Christ and his purpose, which is to bring salvation to people like you and me about whom he was thinking before human history even began. And so because we have this word of God, this sure word of God, Peter tells us, you and me, in verse 19, look there, you will do well to give attention, to give heed to, to follow the word of God. If God's word were not true, you could skip it. You could ignore it. You could look somewhere else for help, somewhere else for hope. But God's word is sure. It is true. So you and I must pay attention to it. Hold on to it. Keep reading it. Keep studying it. Keep cherishing it. Keep searching its pages every day for everything that they can tell you about the beautiful life of this beautiful Messiah and the life you can have in Him, the one who is the living Word of God. In Him, you will certainly find joy. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for Your prophetic Word. Thank You that in it and through it, You speak truth to us. Thank You, Lord, from start to finish that it is a word about Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's a testimony of your loving heart, O Father, to show your love and your compassion and your grace and your mercy on people like us. It shows your determination that sin and darkness and death will not be victorious In the end, it's a story, Lord, of how you crush those things that keep us out of your presence. You crush the sin, you crush the death all through Jesus Christ so that we might forever and ever be in your presence. Lord, impress upon us. Show us now by your spirit the beauty of what it means to be in your presence and the joy I'm there. Help us desire it so much, Lord, that we become addicted to your word. Use it to show us, Lord, the depth of your love for us. You love us so much. You plan for us so far ahead of time so that we might be with you forever and ever. That's what you want for us. And that's what you provided away. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and Lord, we pray in Jesus' name if there are those here who don't know you who have never believed that this story is true, who have always believed that it's a myth like many others propagated by people who had their own agendas. Lord, open their eyes to see how wrong they are in their thinking. No gain for those who preach this gospel of you and your power except to be with you forever and ever, to get through this life which was one of pain and suffering for them. Lord, I just pray for, for people here this morning that they would believe the truth of this story, that they would believe the truth of the gospel, 
They would believe the truth of their sin problem and they would believe the greater truth, Lord, that you have provided a way and that they would turn in faith to you. We pray for them. The rest, Lord, keep us committed to you and your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.